If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of St. John. Book of St. John, we're in chapter 17. We're going to be in verse, starting in verse 20 uh, tonight. It's not a curse to be to to have 
uh, uh, forgiveness of sins, it's a great blessing in our lives and we need to take advantage of it anytime and every time we sin. Amen? And so he says to pray for ourselves. And after, after that, that was in the first five verses. In the next few verses, who else did he have to pray for next? He prayed for those who were currently, presently with him. And he prayed for his disciples. He prayed for his apostles. And, and, uh, and he, he was uh, thanking God for keeping them. He was thanking God that uh, they were going to make it. He was thanking God that... Uh, that uh, they, they answered his call. He was thanking God for a lot of things. So uh, we see in this prayer right here that Je Jesus in, in glory now, he intercedes for us and he prays for us and, and, he, and he prays for them. Uh, in, in verse 17, for example, Jesus said, Sanctify them through your truth. Thy word is truth. And so our sanctification comes from the Father through Jesus Christ at His request that He wants to sanctify us that way. So tonight, we're going to be studying the third, what we would call the third part of Christ's prayer. It's broken up in three parts by men. It was prayed as one prayer by God, but I think they did a pretty good job of, of dividing it for us. Uh, and now He's praying for people who are to come, believers who are to come. It's, you know, a lot of people say, well, all this happened 2,500 years ago or 2,000, however many years ago. You know, all that's over with. It, it's, it's not. When will it be over with? It'll be over with at the end. Amen? There's going to be people who literally die for Christ until they're all gone. And uh, there's going to be people raptured away. It's going to be the end for the church, but it's going to be still... Um, People who died for Christ uh, later on, we, we studied about them a couple of weeks ago, Sunday nights ago in Revelation, that great crowd that showed up who had came out of tribulation, who had been killed in the great tribulation. So he, he's praying for a great number of people, and we wanted to kind of examine this, uh, that uh, he, he, he's praying for these people, and this is the way he refers to us. He said, I don't pray for these alone, talking about those that he's looking at, but for them also which shall believe on me through what? <clears throat> through their word. It was important. That's why they walked with him three years. That's why they, they listened to him for three years. That's why they wrote the gospels for us, that they had learned and heard the words that he said for three years. They wrote these things down for us. And I'm so glad that John, in his later years, wrote what the other ones didn't write. Okay? This prayer is only found in this gospel. It's not found anywhere else in the scripture. Now, some of the phrases may be there, but this prayer uh, is only found. Matter of fact, a lot of this stuff uh, uh, in the, from the time Judas has left that he's betrayed until the arrest, which comes in the next chapter, is not in any of the gospel. And I'm glad that, uh, that John, uh, in, his, in his agely wisdom, realized the most important aspect that got him to the point it got him was the relationship that he had with the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And that's why he focuses on the work of the Holy Spirit, the words of Jesus about the Holy Spirit, and, and the reason the Lord gave him the remembrance through the Spirit to write what he has to us. So he's written what he remembers Christ has, has told them, 
He writes what the Holy Spirit has shown him and helped him to remember. He writes it down so we can see it today and we can remember what he said. And so the, the, it's important to know how important the word is because he says they're going to be saved. Uh, they, they shall believe on me through their word. Is that still an application today? Do people still believe on God through the word of God? So don't let anybody ever tell you how unimportant the Word of God is. And the same word that these people uh, that started on Pentecost, when the church, when the people started getting saved, the same word is still available to us today. And it's the same exact word that's still available to us today. And it has not changed. Amen? It has not changed. The interpretation of it hasn't changed, and the wording hasn't changed. If it has, the Bible said a person that does that's going to be cursed. Mm -hmm. Amen? The Bible says that a person that does that's going to be cursed. So, so we believe on that the, we have believed through the Word of God. How many, how many in here, and I'm sure there may be some, how many of you were saved somewhere besides at a church? Somewhere where you were saved somewhere besides at a church? Everybody in here was saved in the church? Saved by listening to preaching? Okay. Vacation Bible school? Okay. All right. So that, But there are others that get saved in other places. I know I've uh, been with a couple of three people that got saved in their living room. Praying on their couch. And, uh, you know, but it was still through the Word of God. It was through the Word of God and what they were told about Jesus Christ, and they believed it. And when they believed it, they asked to be saved. And it was a, it was a it was a beautiful experience to experience that with people in their own house and feel the Spirit of God in their home like that, and to know that they felt the Spirit of God that way. But uh, but you can see everybody in this room got got saved in the church. They got saved listening to preaching, or they got saved through vacation Bible school, through teaching. But they got saved because they heard the word, and they made themselves, they put themselves. It's important that people go to church. Amen? I, it, we just can't stress enough how important it is that people commit themselves to the church of Jesus Christ. His church, his body, is who we are. And so they got saved through the word. And then I want you to look at what he said, because, you know, it's a shame how divided the church is. Amen. Right. Now, Jesus never refers, when he refers to the seven churches, but when he speaks about his church, he don't use plural words. He uses a singular word. It is his church. Amen? It is his body. He don't have bodies. He has a body. It is the church. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, the church is going to be there. He don't differentiate. He don't separate. We are all, and, and he stresses this right here. This is what he wants us to hear today. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed for me and you today. Okay? He prayed this prayer. And he said that they, may, that, that, that they all may be one. Now, he didn't say that some of them may be one. Or they would be one in 30 different locations. He said that they all may be one. 
He expects us to be one. Now, I know a lot of people think our unity thing is rubbish. A lot of people do. I think it's getting back to the to the gospel. I think it's getting back to where we need to know that we belong to Jesus Christ. And we need to know others that belong to Jesus Christ. And we need to know who each other is. And so this is what he says. This is his prayer for us. Now listen to this. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one where? In us. Did you say that? <laughs> in us. You know, people who don't believe in the Trinity, people who don't believe in the in the Godhead and the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and, and they, they believe that that uh, if you believe that, you believe in three gods. I don't see how you can believe in any other way but believing in us. Mm -hmm. he, when he said Father and Son, he differentiated there was two there. When he speaks about the Holy Spirit, there's three. The Bible says that three bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. So it's not three different gods. It's three manifestations of one God. That's what makes them one. Jesus said that I want you to be one. I want, I want you to be one. Uh, that, we, that, that they all may be one as thou art, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. So Jesus, although he used the term us, he was, he was replying to them as one. They're in each other. They're, 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 you, can't, you can't pull them apart. They're the same. And the Holy Spirit's part of that too. And, and they're one and there's no separating them. Amen? Amen? There's no separation of them. They're one. And so, uh, they, uh, and, and so he says, that they also might be one in us that that the and, and he gives a reason now why is it important to jesus to teach us that we are to be one in him and the father what's the reason he gives next line what is it so the world will know that the Father has sent the Son. That is what that oneness in Christ, how, how can that be displayed through us? Through our works. Through our obedience to God. Through the power of God in us. Through the love that we have. Through the fellowship that we have. Through the commitment that we have. And, and you know what? He knew that some of these people were going to Give their lives rather than deny Him. Amen? Now, I'm going to tell you what. I, I don't personally want to be a martyr. How many in here wants to be a martyr? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I want to live for Christ, but I don't really particularly want to, to be forced to die. Or do you? I, I mean, I don't want to come to that. But a lot of these disciples that He was talking to earlier, we're going to have that to come to that point where they were either going to reject him, deny him, or die for him. All of the apostles, save John, was going to give their lives for Jesus Christ. They were going to die for preaching the word that was going to make people believe in him. Okay? And so are we, let me ask you a question. Do you think we are that dedicated 
to God today? No. Are we personally, and that's something we need to think about. We need to personally think about if it was down to whether they're going to kill me or I can reject Jesus and live. What would I do? That's a serious question, isn't it? And something I hope we don't never encounter. But listen to me. There are people in this world today that have encountered that very thing and they died. Every day. They died. How many of you remember the pictures that they showed? They never showed the death of them. But the Christian people that they put out in, uh, in Afghanistan and they had that man with that big broad sword there and they had them dressed up in little orange suits and they had to, and they, they killed them. They filmed it, killed them. And they wouldn't show it on our news, them killing them, but that's what they did. You know why they killed them? Not because they were anti-Muslim, because they were Christian. And they were clean, they were, they were taking out the cancer from their society. And those people died believing in Jesus. Do we have that much gumption? Do we have that much love for God? Do we have that much commitment to Him? I wonder. A long time ago, back in World War One and Two, we had men and women that died defending our freedom from communism. Mm -hmm. and that going to war and then living with the receipts of war. Now that's just hard. Yeah. yeah. And there were even, we had even military people who gave them their lives rather than divulge what they knew. And we're, that's why we're, the Bible refers to us as soldiers of the cross of Christ. We're, we need to be willing not only to live for Him and obey Him, but we need to be willing to lay down our very lives for Him like He did for us. And a lot of people don't ever think that it could come to that. Yes, it's going to. The scripture bears out that will come. Hopefully and prayerfully that what we believe is, is correct, that we will be raptured away and we won't go through that. But there's going to be people that are left that are going to go through that. Amen? It's going to be a great big number. And, and so he says, I want you to do this. I want you to be one as my Father and I are one, and, and I want you to be one with us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, that, that Jesus Christ came, and he was the Son of God, and the glory which thou gavest me, now he's talking to the Father, the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. Now how did he do that? What glory do we know on earth that the Father gave the Son. I know somebody that, that just knows this answer. What happened at Jesus' baptism when he was introduced to the world as the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world? What happened to him? He was baptized. What happened? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit descended on him like a dove. That was the glorification of Jesus Christ. And what led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil? 
the Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him there. And so this was the glorification that God put down on the Son. And he, he, re, he reestablished that when he spoke from heaven. They didn't really kind of hear him the first time. Some of them heard him, but some of them said, no, it's thundering. But at his transfiguration, he was glorified again. How? He was, he was seen as what he will be in glory. Just, just the shallow part of it. it well, he wasn't seen in his full glory. When he, in the Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible said that he began to glow. Amen? He became what? A light. And all of a sudden, there was a cloud over him. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appeared, and they began to talk to him, and Peter just got all beside himself because he recognized who Elijah and Moses were. Amen? And when G Peter spoke and interrupted the moment, wanted to build, <laughs> build uh, temples or, or altars to these three people, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, it all vanished. And this cloud came over them, and the Lord spoke to them. What did, the, what did God the Father say from the cloud? Say, this is my son, hear ye him. This is my son, hear him. In other words, don't be talking, listen. Amen? So that was another time the Father glorified. So both times the Father glorified him. He glorified him with the Spirit and he glorified him with the, his glory. The, the, let me ask you a question. The Bible says in the new heaven and new earth that there's going to be no more need of the Son. Why? Because the Son, Jesus, is going to be the light thereof. He, he's going to glow in the new world. He's going to be our light in the new world. And, and the thing about his light is this. When, you know, you put this light on me, and you can't see it in here because there's too much other light here. The, when you get out in the sun and the, the sun's rays are falling in, what, what's over here? Shadow. A shadow. Did you know <laughs> the light of Jesus Christ in the, in the new world, in the new earth? There's going to be no shadow. No matter of fact, the scripture says no shadow of turning. In other words, you can't face any direction where you cast a shadow. Why? Because the light of Jesus is an encompassing light. It comes from everywhere because it comes from Him and He's everywhere. And then it's a consuming light like a fire. If you look at a match, it won't lay, or a big fire, there won't be a uh, shadow. Right. Yeah. You know, he's just consuming like a consuming fire. Yeah. And so the light that he portrays is a what they call a, 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 a consuming light that, that has that has no it comes from everywhere. That's the light that he gives us. That's why he called himself, I am the light of the world. He wanted them to know that. Was he talking about this world? He's the light in us. But he is also the light in that next world. Okay? I'm the light of the world. That's cool stuff, isn't it? And he says, so the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. So, 
the, the glory that we saw from Jesus Christ was given to him when the Spirit descended on him like a dove and he began to be led by that Spirit. He began to pray in that Spirit and, and God acknowledged him. God acknowledged him in light and in word, the spoken word that they heard from him. So how are we to give that kind of glory? How are we to glorify him? It's simple. They are to see him in us. Okay? We are supposed to reveal him to the lost people by the way we live. And how's that? By obeying him. By doing what he says. And giving him the glory verbally to them. Amen? Have you ever asked, had anybody thank you for doing something and ask you why you done it? That's a grand opportunity. Yeah. You know, and a lot of us say, oh, well, I like to help people. But mm -hmm. the right answer is, I do it because I love Jesus. And I want to help you because of him. That's giving him the glory. Okay? Remember that. Try that sometimes when you do something good for somebody. Amen. And, and give him the glory. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. So he wants us, he keeps telling us over and over, he wants us to be one. Now, what do denominations do to us? How, how, why? What, what makes denominations separate? The doctrines. Different beliefs. Each man has their own idea of what the word is. That's a key word you just said. Not their own ideas, but each man. Man. Man has his own ideas. Now, we all in here, we pretty much believe the same thing. Pretty much. But do we agree on everything? Wait, Sam, just shake your head no. No, we don't. We don't. So how can we be one? We agree to be one. We have to agree to be one. We have, so that means we have to make an effort to be one, don't we? We have to try to be one. And that also means that there are a, a basic fundamental doctrine that we must all agree on. And I don't care what denomination you are from. There's one fundamental doctrine that we all agree on. What is that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. There he, everybody, every one of y'all said the same exact thing. Jesus Christ. He is the rock. He is the foundation. He is where the house is built. And when we stand on that foundation, we stand on a firm, sure foundation, and we will not be moved. Amen. That is what we all must agree on. But what, are we, what happens to us as denominations? We get fixated on our differences. Uh, amen. <clears throat> amen? Amen. We get so fixated on it, when we get together, we want to bring it up. You know what we ought to be fixated on when we come together as the church? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and Him alone. If we could stay fixated on that, boy, we wouldn't have many differences, would we? Amen. And sometimes we just got to agree to disagree and move on as one unit. 
Amen. We do. The way it's got to work. Now, you don't see that in Jesus because Jesus and the Father had no disagreement. They were in total agreement. Why? Because they're one. What was their goal? It was the same. The Father sent the Son to do something for me and you. What was it? To die for us. To shed His blood for us. He was sent here for that purpose. That's why He couldn't show His glory to those people that were going to kill Him. He couldn't do that. Matter of fact, a couple of times He had to refrain Himself because He was afraid they would try to set Him up as a king and stop following Him. In the Scripture, it says that. That He didn't do certain things because He didn't want everybody to realize that because He had to die. He wasn't there to be their king at that time. Amen? And so, and so uh, he says we got to be one and we got to be in the will of the Father. And there's another thing. If we're not careful, we'll get in our will and we'll get in our way of thinking and we'll get away from the scriptural thinking. We'll get away from the will of the, of the scripture and we want our will imposed over that. And there's a collision of wills. <laughs> Amen. That's the, that's the very root reason for the denominational differences. Yeah, that's the root cause of it, isn't it? And so we have to be careful. You know, I tell y'all, I've even gotten in a lot of trouble for this, uh, for saying things like we have to be careful when we try to stop something that we see, perceive as bad from happening, that it's not God doing it. I'm talking on the world stage. Mm -hmm. That God, we know that uh, if you study scripture, we know there's going to be a resurgence of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is broken up into several countries right now. So in order for the emerging, the, the, the trying of the emerging of the Roman Empire to come back, if you get in the book of Daniel and read about this giant statue, it tells you who they were, who, who each part of that statue was. And when it got down to the feet, it said it was a feet of clay and iron no matter how what the statue was made of, he, the foundation that stood on crum would crumble because it had clay mixed with the iron. Iron is the Roman Empire. Okay? It's a representation of the Roman Empire. They were the empire of iron. That's why they were so strong. They had iron chariots, they had iron wheels, they had iron spikes, they had er everything was iron. Even what they wore, uh, their, their battle gear was iron. And so they were known as that that uh, body of iron. But when that, so the the Lord and and that prophecy has got to it's going to happen, okay? It's going to happen. Now where was Rome? Where was the Roman Empire? Get your map down and just find a, 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 a go to Google or get you an old map and and just look at the Roman Empire and put it on the modern day map. And look at the countries involved in it. European Union. They're the Europeans, mostly. Mostly European. And so when you see things going on where you see wars in one country trying to take over another, it may be God trying to reunite and bring this prophecy to pass. And we'll be praying, Lord, stop the war, don't do this. And it's God. Okay? And so it behooves us to know those things. And, and so, I don't even know how we got off on this. Anyway, it's something to think about. God is always at work. 
He's always at work. And he is going to fulfill what the Bible says is going to happen. His word is going to come true. What he said is going to happen is going to happen. All the way down to the earth burning to a crisp and being gone. It's going to happen. It's coming. There ain't nothing going to stop it. No man is going to stop it. Okay? Any questions about this? This is hard stuff for us to chew on, isn't it? That what we love so much, the beauty of this world we see, and, and our desire to have pieces of it, going, it's all going, going away. Anyway, so he says in verse 23, I and them and thou and me. So when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. When we're, when we're saved and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that is when Jesus says, I'm in you. Okay? He's in us by way of the Holy Spirit. He is in us. And thou in me. And so when if we have Jesus, he's got the Father, we have them all. Amen? Y'all believe that? We have them all. That they may be made perfect in one. So we're not perfect divided. We're perfect united. We're perfect in one mind, one accord, and agreement with who the Son is. Amen? Being complete. Being complete in Him. And that don't mean uh, you need to go and say, okay, you know, those folks over there can be just as right as rain. You better, you better pay attention to what the heart tells you and what the Lord shows you. Okay? You better be sure. You know, we have people all the time that say, you know, we're going to join your church. And I always tell them, I'd love for everybody to come join the church, wouldn't y'all? But you know what? I want the Lord to be the one that does that. I, I, want, I want to be sure that the Lord, because he's the one that adds to his church. He's the one that makes it grow. He's the one that puts people where he wants them. Okay? And so he said, I am them, and now I am me, that they may be made perfect in one. Now, I'm going to read you a scripture uh, about the sanctification, that we're sanctified in Christ. And, and I'm going to read these scriptures backwards. It's Hebrews chapter 2, verses uh, 10 and 11. I'm going to read 11 first because he talked about uh, being sanctified in, in him. Uh, this is what the scripture says. For both he that sanctified, now who sanctifies? Jesus. Jesus sanctifies. He that sanctifies and they who are sanctified those that are saved are sanctified by Jesus which are those that are saved just say us who are saved are all one. That's what Hebrews 2 and 11 says. It's what he says. So he said here he said that, uh, that they may be made perfect there in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me. And he goes to that again. But before we get to that, he, he, he said that we are sanctified, that he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all one. And, and, and then Jesus is the captain of our salvation, made perfect through suffering, which is in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. That he is the captain of our salvation and he is perfect. Amen? So you say, well, I can't be perfect. I'm a sinner. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect because 
He's perfect. When you, He lives in you, are we holy? Are we righteous? So how can we be holy and righteous? The Bible says without holiness, no man's going to seek. How can we have that? How can we do that if we're not holy or righteous? Because the captain of our salvation who sanctifies us, who lives in us, is perfect. And he is holy. And so when God looks at us and we have Christ in us, what does he see? He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. He don't see us in our unrighteousness and our unholiness. He sees his son in us. And we inherit that from Jesus Christ. He is the only reason we're going to go there. He is the only reason we're going to be in heaven. He is the only reason we're going to be able to see the Father. He is the only reason. Nothing we've done. Him and Him alone. Yeah. He can see through our imperfections to the perfect one. That's right. He looks at, he looks at an imperfect man through a perfect Savior and he sees perfection. He looks at an unholy man through a holy Savior and he sees holiness. He sees an unrighteous man through a, a righteous Savior and he sees righteousness. Praise God. We better be filled with Jesus. Amen. And that is supposed to show in our lives. That's supposed to show in our lives. Amen. And I'm glad that the, uh, Paul tells us that we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, and he realized that. And I'm also glad Paul says things, and listen, Paul don't give us excuses. He tells us truth. And, and so if you try to live perfect and you try to make other people think you're perfect, you know what you're going to be? A hypocrite. Because you're going to have to hide your sin from people. I don't know about the rest of you, but I, mine's too obvious sometimes. Amen? And I need a Savior. I need a, a sanctification. I do. I need repentance. I need the blood of the Lord. I need it. Amen. And, and so Paul said we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And he also said something else. It's kind of a little... He said, you know, the things I know to do, I just don't do them. Amen? And the things that I know not to do, now, I don't know about the rest of it, but I'm glad he wrote that. Mm -hmm. Did he write it because he was proud of it? No. He wrote that to let us know when you fall, get up. <coughs> You're not going to be perfect. You're going to make a mistake. But you have one that is perfect that you can call upon and he'll clean it all up for you. Amen? And so that's what we got to, to look at. And so this is what Jesus is trying to tell us. That's why what Jesus is praying right here is going to affect the Apostle Paul. He's praying for people like the Apostle Paul right now. Amen? That's who he's praying for. And he said, he said uh, again, that, that, they, that, they, that, he, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me. Now he said that again. And has loved them as thou hast loved me. So again, for us to show this, 
For us to show this, they have to see Christ in us. That's what they recognize in us. They recognize Him. And then, then he goes on in verse 24. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before, now look at that, before the foundation of the world. I don't remember who it was I was talking to, but I, you know, I, I lose sight of conversations for some reason. And they uh, asked me the question, do you think that Adam and Eve actually walked with God in the Garden of Eden? Absolutely. They did. They walked with Jesus Christ. You know why I know that? If they saw God, they saw the expressed image of God. They saw Him. They saw the one who they were made after. Because He was there before the foundation of the world. And He said that the Father loved Him before the foundation of the world. And so if He walked with them, he walked, they walked with with Jesus Christ in the garden. Amen? Now think about that. He is the expressed image of God. That means when you see him, that's the image of God you're going to see. Well, if the Bible said that God, the Father, is a spirit, what's the Holy Spirit? Can you see either one of them? Do they have parts? Yeah. It is confusing, don't it? So anytime you see the Father, you're going to see Christ. Mm -hmm. You're going to see Christ. Is what you're going to see. Yeah. Amen. I know some of you are thinking real hard right now. It's all, all kind of tangled up in your brain. But He is. The Bible declares Him as not only the express image of, the, of God, but that He is also the fullness of that Godhead. Now what's the Godhead? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Christ Jesus is the fullness of that. Is he greater than the Father? No. He's equal with the Father. Now in one place in John we read where he said the Father is greater than I am. And I and if y'all weren't here, and if you ever read the St. John and you see that, say, wait a minute, Brother Gary said they're, they're equal. And and he says right here, the Father is greater than I. How did he how could he say that? Because he was on earth and he was a man. And he was speaking as a man. My father is greater than I am. I'm a man. But when he was glorified, we studied just the other night where he said, I'm coming back to my former glory. Amen. That the glory that we had together before the world. Amen. So when he left heaven, he became a flesh and blood man. And he could say he was equal to the Father because he was fully God. But he could say that the Father was greater than him because he was fully man also. And he had to yield himself to the will of the Father. Remember when he went to the garden? We hadn't got there yet. But when he goes to the garden of Gethsemane, what does he pray? Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And his conclusion was, what? Not my will, Not my will but thine be done. He showed the Father, you're greater than me because he's a man fixing to die for the sins of the world. Does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
we're going to be lucky to get through this tonight. And so, he, and so he said, For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Don't never think Christ Jesus was just a thought that appeared in time. He was there when the world was created. Matter of fact, Paul, through the, through the Holy Spirit's direction, said that all things were made for him, by him, and without him nothing was made. He was there in the beginning with God. He says that himself here. I was with you before the foundation of the world. And so this was not just a, a passing thought. This is something that had been written in God's granite before the world was ever formed. If he was a thought, it was a forethought. <laughs> yeah, he was a forethought for sure. <laughs> and, and we just can't understand all these things. And I'm glad that when we are with him, we're going to know things that we don't can't possibly know down here. There's some things down here we can't possibly understand. We're not capable of it. It's too far past our comprehension about God. And that's the part that science and people who don't want to believe in God don't like about us. That we, yes sir. That's when we'll hear the rest of the story. Yeah, that's when we're going to know the rest of it, that's for sure. We're going to know the completeness of it. But we, we, they, we, how come we can believe that and they can't? By the Spirit's sense. Faith. It's a word called faith. We know Jesus, we have faith in Him, and we believe His Word. And we believe Him. So the things that don't make no sense to them, that they want proof of, we don't, I don't need proof that Jesus existed, do you? I don't need proof that he's not in the grave anymore. This is all proof I need right here. I, I believe him, don't you? You know, I've I told y'all this before. There are people who call themselves theologians and archaeological theologians, and their mission in life is to prove to the world that the Bible is true. Really? <laughs> they ain't got to prove nothing. They're wasting their time. They get blisters on there digging for nothing. <laughs> it's true whether they dig it up or not. They ain't got to prove it. <clears throat> Amen? And they're going to win a lot more people by the faith they have in God than they are by proving what God does and has done and that he said is true. As a matter of fact, if you've got to dig it up to prove it, it's a lack of faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and the sad part... Um, there's, there's educational facilities that sponsor them, museums that sponsor them, millions of dollars given to them to prove what many of you already know. <laughs> Amen? We already know. We, we believe it because we have faith. And that's why the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And you know what? The simplest faith is the strongest faith. You, you talk to a little child. You just talk to a little child. And they'll, they'll, they'll pray for you. They believe that Jesus can fix you. Amen? <laughs> they believe it. They believe it. And they don't, they don't doubt it. They believe it. And that's the simple faith. That's why Jesus said we've got to become like one of them if we're going to heaven. What did he say? He said, you have to have childlike faith. It's simple faith. 
I believe it. You don't have to prove it to me. Amen. So what's great faith? Childlike faith is great faith. He can do it. Amen. Amen. So, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known thee, that thou hast sent me. We are expected to know Jesus. We are expected to know the Father, and we're expected to be filled with the Spirit. There's no if, ands, and buts. And we are expected to be filled with the Spirit so the Father and the Son can also dwell in us, <coughs> abide in us, and also so we can abide in them. Okay? We don't need to ever leave that out. We, they don't just dwell in us. We dwell in them. And that's who we are. And so uh, he said, uh, the, so we know him because uh, he said, I have known thee and these have known that thou hast sent me. So we know that the Father, I believe John 3, 16 of you, and I still believe it's the greatest verse in all the Bible. Don't you? I don't care what the world, what the world say the biggest verse is now. Judge not, lest you be judged. They don't want to be judged by this word. But whether they want to or not, is, is, is not relevant. Because they're going to be. You know how I know that? In my simple faith, because the scripture says that. <laughs> Jesus said you're going to be judged by my words. And he also says you're going to be judged by your own words. Mm -hmm. Amen. What you believe matters. Who you believe in matters. Yeah. It does. It really does matter. And we need to know. We need to learn of him. This is good tonight because we're learning of Jesus and, and we're learning things of him. And I have declared unto them thy name. Now, I want y'all to listen to this. He, he just told his disciples prior to this how he wanted them to pray. How did he want them to pray? You remember? He said, I want you to pray in my name. Something that was contrary that they hadn't done before. And he said, I want you to pray in my name. Now, Paul declares that there's a name that's above every name. What is that name? And at the feet of Jesus, every knee shall bow and do what? And confess. That's it. And, and so, when, it, it's amazing because, see, the Jewish people didn't call God by any other name but Yahweh. Now we we spell it Y-A-W-A-H or Y-A-H something. We spell it some funny way. When they spelled it, it had no vowels in it. It was four consonants. It was Y-W, I don't remember what it was now. But there was no way to pronounce the word. And if y'all remember, I was looking at a, at a at some stuff when I was studying that very thing that we went over it in John, that Jewish people said the best way to pronounce that word, and they whispered it, they didn't say it that loud, was to breathe in and out. And that was how you said the word. He was breath. 
Praise you. Isn't that beautiful? When he, when he blew the breath of life into the dirt that he molded, molded into a man, the Bible says that that man, that dirt became a living, breathing soul. Breath. That's the first thing he gave man. The first thing. The first thing you do when you're born and they pop that bottom, <laughs> you suck it in. The last thing you do when you give up the ghost is go, Blow it out. You're saying God. You're saying Yahweh. You're saying His name. But Jesus has given us another name. I love this right here because He says this. And, and you need to highlight it in your Bible so you can remember this. There is not another name in heaven nor earth whereby we must be saved. And He said, and I have declared unto them thy name. Listen to it. And will declare that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. He's telling them the name you need to know from now on is Jesus. Amen. Paul learned that when he got near the Holy Spirit. When he wrote that there's not a name above that name, that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that name. That's what he's talking about right here. What a God. What a Savior. What a word that helps us see and understand. We need to grasp this. We need to understand this. We need to see this. And we need to believe this. Amen. Any questions? Well, I thought we'd get a lot further than that. We're going to start chapter 18 on the 11th. Any comments before we dismiss? I've been kind of quiet tonight. It's been one of the most sleepy days, hasn't it? Which thing? Brother Sam, would you dismiss us, please? Father, once again, we do want to thank you for this portion of your word that we've had the privilege of being able to take a look at this thing and read it and study it. Lord, once again, you've heard every prayer request that's been made this evening. Lord, you know about one of those killed on that wreck of the Moses been mentioned having cancer, or so many people have got different health issues, all different kinds of ailments of the flesh. Lord, you know everyone's on a prayer list. We ask you to bless and be with them. You know who they are. You know what their needs are. Lord, we just thank you for this rain. Just ask you to be with us as we go separate ways. Give everyone a safe travel grace. Tend their hearts. Give us where we fail you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.